I know where we are. I know what has happened. In some fashion, and, and I lack the intellect to know precisely how, we have traveled from Earth's future to Earth's past. But we saw the Earth destroyed. And Earth will be destroyed, just as we saw it. Only since seeing it, we have passed through a, a backward disturbance in time. Did you notice the date meter clicking down after the shockwave hit our ship? Yes. We returned to Earth nearly 2,000 years before its destruction. That is another reason for us to keep silent. Our human captors will not be edified to learn that one day their world will crack like an egg and burn to a cinder because of an ape war of regression. <laughs> Apes at this instant in time cannot yet talk. For the moment, we should follow their example. You're traveling to another radio show. Broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. Mind Expansion engaged. Time again, folks. Midweek in review, the vaunted midweek in review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk, yours truly, Debert, and oftentimes the uncanny Daryl B. Hopefully, Daryl B will come in today, but we know of his scheduling, sometimes it gets to be a little bit difficult. Nevertheless, you can join in on the discourse. That number hasn't changed, at least yet, it hasn't changed. It's 646 915. 9620, again, 646-915-9620. So, if you're a first-time listener to the Afro Nerd Radio experience, our machine works entails pop culture, pulp culture, better known as comic books, fanzines, magazines, hobbies. Also, we're talking about Politics, pardon me, politics and what happens in really the, the social space. So we're all over the place. We are an amalgam of many things. Uh, the, the, the portmanteau, Afro nerd and or blurred, black nerd. So we do all things nerdy, blurdy, intellectual 
and sometimes we get a little a little bit goofy. That's what we do. And of course, there's a musical component as well, which entails the other black experience. You get the theme, you get the theme, don't you? Afropunk, black rock, classic hip hop, jazz, acid jazz. Um, I mean, look, everything under the sun that just is not going to be played on conventional radio. Psychedelic soul. Shout out to Janelle Monet and her outfit. So, let's get to this groove, which I always do. We always get into this. And when we come back, we're going to unpack on many things. Harriet Tubman is on a debit card, but she seems to look like she's coming from Wakanda. <laughs> that might be a problem. I'm just saying. Then there's the bat suit that we are led to believe actor Robert Pattinson will be will be donning. And is it a comic book accurate, a comic accurate suit? I think so. Anyway, let's get to this thing. Um, well, you know what? I, I want to play. All right. You know, this, this is actually a cover from Sid and the Internet. Internet is a popular band that I've seen a few times at Afropunk. And this is actually a cover of a hit called Girl. So this is Girl being performed by Andrea Triana. Andrea Triana, girl. Kind of a slow, syrupy groove. We'll be right back, folks. Let's get into it. Passion burning, causing rapture of laughter. Pressure building, falling faster. I told you that you rock my world I want you around me Would you let me call you my girl My girlfriend, my girlfriend Can give you the love you deserve Just say the word Baby, I got you Oh, baby, I got you Thank you. 
right, we're black and or black back. This is Andrea Triana performing the internet version of Girl. Okay, let's do this. You too can join in the fun, 646-915-9620. Don't you forget it, 646-915-9620. The midweek, folks, I could not do the show without this gentleman. And also the uncanny when he's here. But I'm pretty sure the captain will be can be beamed up in a few moments. And without further ado, Captain, you needed in engineering for the umpteenth time. Let's get to it, sir. Gotta dig that uh, space 1999 remix. <laughs> it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. um, nice for a change up. Okay, people. Uh, well, again, a lot to get into. Um, I don't. Um, I almost don't know where to begin because we always have a lot on our plate. So, um, you know, let, let's let's keep it light for the moment. And we didn't cover this. Uh, Last week we got this Well many of you who are into the culture We we got a chance to check out This sneak peek Of what purportedly Is going to be Worn by the actor Robert Pattinson You know him from Twilight fame The Twilight franchise That there's this bat suit That is you really It really is comic book accurate According to Kevin Smith Noted director, geek, has his own imprint, um, fat man on Batman, clerks, uh, just all, you know, really all over the place. But he, um, he had a storyline that retconned, you know, retro, retroactive continuity for those who are unfamiliar with the term retcon. He went back, and there's a story where Batman, in his origin, finds out, was able to able to retrieve the very weapon that was responsible for the death of his parents. I mean, that is the origin of Batman, that that horrific death of of Martha and Thomas Wayne, and um, he's able to get this this weapon. And fashion it, melt it down into the 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 face the face. Well, I'm sorry, the not, I don't call it the faceplate, but um, the symbol, the bat symbol that's on his breastplate. I should say the breastplate of the costume 
was refashioned from the gun, which is kind of a poetic thing, you would think. It makes it even more it makes it even more of a interconnected thing, very 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 much in a kismet kind of way. So we saw a picture of it and I have to admit I the, at first glance I, I just kind of you know, just didn't really get in get that deep into it. But when I took a closer look at it, I said, Oh, this is kinda interesting. Kind of interesting. Matt Reeves is the director tapped for this iteration of Batman. So what what do you think? I mean, it, uh, again, you know, we're talking about the allegedly the the gun is cracked in half and literally fashioned to look like a bat symbol. I mean, it makes it a bit more fearsome to me. But what do you think, Captain? Look, look, all that is nice to bring people in and go, oh, it's maybe it's going to be good. The movie has to be done well. That's all, that's all I'm concerned with. You can't play around with Batman. You can't play around with Batman. All this is to build hype. And, you know, they get online recognition and everything else, likes and all of this, and build up and all of that. But the movie has to be done well. Not all right. Not all right. This is Batman. We're really not going to accept less. That's what, and we don't know that yet. So now working backwards, as your question, yeah, it looks good. I was intrigued when I first saw everything come up. You understand? I was intrigued. It looks good. Now let's now let's see what's else. Let's see what else is coming. What else you got? All right. That's how I feel about it. I'm critical of these movies now, man. I saw Endgame enough. You can't make anything better than that. Let's see if you can make anything better. Let's see. I doubt it. Everything is left a being. But go ahead. Yeah, you know, uh, again, you're, you're right. I mean, ultimately, it, we have to see this thing and see how it's going to turn out and what kind of spin he's going to take. I mean, there's definitely a, a millennium or a millennial vibe to it. Everyone is kind of a younger, I'd say more of a younger space where, we're, where we once were before. You know, as far as the acting, a lot of the people that are involved are clearly millennials. So it's, I guess, you know, I, I haven't really read that much into it. I, I suspect it's supposed to be like a year one version, you know, for those who may not be familiar with that term. Year One is a storyline that's been done in print and in animation that, again, if you're going to go back to the concept of retroactive continuity or retconning the Batman story, uh, what happens with many of these characters, they've been around for so long that depending on whoever takes the helm, takes the reins of a character, you know, because these, these writers, they go through so many writers through multiple generations of a character that writer he or she may go back in time retcon something and add more to the mythology so in batman year one you you know oftentimes when someone was talking about batman it would always it would inevitably go back to um and really don't you really don't see that much of it anymore but you know golden age batman Golden Age meaning uh, anything from 1939 to, let's say, 1955. That's like the, the Golden Age of comic books. The lore of Batman would always be that you know his, his parents were killed tragically in front of his face. And one could always imagine that if that were to happen as a, as a 
a nine-year-old that it would it would indelibly affect you and in, in a you go either way you could become a villain or you could become some kind of vengeful hero so to speak but with the batman lore it was always this thing about he didn't quite know what he wanted to be he knew he wanted to avenge his parents deaths and then one fateful night while in his study a bat comes through his window and then he says, oh, oh, this Batman, this bat is such a fearsome creature. I will be that creature. Batman year one, it goes more deep, more deeply into what it actually took to become Batman. It's more about his mistakes and how the things that we take for granted, like a, the grappling hook and being able to swing around from building to building, that just didn't happen just off the cuff. It, year one ends up being uh, a series that actually provides more, more, more oomph to how these things, how he became Batman. So I'm intrigued by this costume. I will confess that that, you know, the, the, that's got to be one of the most, mm, most serious takes. I mean, this is, this is one thing, and, I, and I'll close out on this. For those who are devotees of the character, one thing that, Many people noticed, even when it came down to uh, the uh, Christian Bale interpretation of Batman, which you know many liken to be one of the best interpretations of the character. Even that interpretation, you never got the really, you never got the chance to really see a a Batman that can that can think. You never necessarily saw the detective, the deductive reasoning aspect of it so when you see this kind of motif on his breastplate i'm led to believe that matt reeves is going to approach the character in a very serious way more of a a, a holmesian kind of sherlock holmesian kind of thing we hopefully we'll see physical his physical prowess he's got to be tough on the street but i think Hopefully, we will see more of this real detective, how his mind works. So it is, it's, I'm into it until, until it sucks. They need the help because this Harley Quinn birds of prey thing, um, it's not working out that well. I think they'll be lucky if they break even. And, I, and again, as a comic book, fra- comic book fan... I want these properties to work. I want these properties to work. But when they don't, I didn't get pulled in. I tried. I, Captain, I tried. I was like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to see this movie. And then it's, just couldn't pull that trigger. I mean, um, when Black Widow comes, I'm going to be able to see it without any kind of hesitation. But yeah, man. Stop, of course stop pulling you are. me in. <laughs> of course you are. You're a Marvel fanboy. <laughs> no, no, see, that's not well. That's not really true, because the Black Adam thing, uh, the Black Adam thing, unless it looks crazy, Black Adam, Shazam, Batman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, I'm gonna see. You know, I'm gonna see it without without like hesitation. The movie anyway. wasn't bad, man. Movie wasn't bad. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, you did see it. Yeah, so it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad movie, man. 
You know, sometimes it goes that way, though. Sometimes you, you line things up and it just doesn't work, you know, for whatever reason. you got your Monday morning quarterback. It's because of this. It's because coronavirus. It's because of this. It's because of weather. No, sometimes it just don't work for whatever reason. You can't figure. You can figure in all of those, and the probability says maybe it is that, or maybe it's some of that, you know, but it just didn't work. Maybe it's just a simple fact. And no one knows who Harley Quinn is. <laughs> Maybe that, you know? I don't know. But the movie was all right. It was all right. Well, I, I will see it on TV. <laughs> so that, that that's what's going to happen. Or I should say in a streaming capacity, I will see it eventually. I just couldn't pull the trigger, Captain. Um, all right, let, let, me, let me move forward. And again, folks, you two can join in. Lines are open, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention these actors that have passed. And I have to admit that uh, I was familiar with both of them, more familiar with Ms. Dubois. And we all, many of us grew up with the character, Walona, on Good Times. And uh, this really, man, it just notables that dare I say uh, contributed to our rearing in some way they just did you didn't you didn't necessarily think about it uh, back then but when you reflect on these people you know the the Wallona character and Janae Dubois as a person like just her her characters as far as walking around as a person she always had. A, she was a class act. You know, Walona as a character was a class act, even in the quote unquote in a project setting. And it's unfortunate that you could tell that these actors, Esther Roll, uh, passed on uh, more than a decade, maybe 15 years ago, I think. And John Amos is still with us. We, we will be seeing him again in the upcoming Coming to America film. And I think he's in his late 70s. So Jimmy Walker and all these folks, they're still around. You know, um, Bernadette Stannis, fine Bernadette Stannis, still around. <laughs> but um, although, again, it was talking about the projects and we could talk about how some of that stuff was stereotyped for the mid-'70s, we are talking about the first onset of seeing people of color, black folk, on the national stage. You know, there was a progression to seeing black people going back to, you know, uh, Burt Williams, Mantan Moreland and all these kind of minstrel acts to where we see a closer, a more more closely accurate depiction of black people, and we're still we're still trying to get there, mind you. In 2020, we we are still trying to get there, but she definitely was a person that was instrumental in in giving us a classy, dignified, attractive woman on the scene, albeit. It was in the projects, but those people, those people, as we know, famously know, they were fighting, even with Norman Lear and some of those writers, uh, the, you know, the, the 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 corporates back then, in trying to maintain a certain type of dignity for for black folks, and that's one of the reasons why John Amos ended up leaving the show, but uh, with a heavy heart. Janae Dubois uh, purportedly left left the scene, Land of the Living, a few days ago on the 17th. I, I believe that she died in her sleep. Now, as as a lady, <laughs> you know we can't get an accurate 
I say this kind of in a funny way, and you know, this is what old, you know, I don't say old school, classic black women would do. Is they they were coy about their age, so the, the word went out that she died at seventy at the age of seventy four. And seventy four is kind of you know in, in today's time, seventy four people don't necessarily believe. You know, people ask you why you leave at seventy four or how you left. It's not like natural causes, but she they said that she she died in her sleep, but. As far as uh, her age, you know, if you look at the uh, Google, it's anywhere from 1932 to 1945. So, you know, she she still looked like Walona, you know. So um, we really don't know how old she is. So she it said it said 74, but I'm looking at all these different age ranges, and that's also a Hollywood thing too. You know, if you're an actress and you're trying to maintain um, a work life, you you can't necessarily be um, honest about your age because, you know, unfortunately that's where the sexism enters is that, uh, you know, the, the shelf life of an actress is very difficult. But uh, I also remember, of course we know her for being on Good Times, but, you know, she was in a lot of TV, TV movies, uh, also did a fair share of guest appearances and during the black exploitation period. You know, she, she was in Shaft. She was in um, a Five on the Black Hand Side. Um, I mean, these are real, you know, real black exploitations, real black exploitation stuff. Uh, a piece of the action, which was a, uh, I think the, the third film, of with the with the franchise or the, or the trilogy with Sidney Poitier and um, and Bill Cosby. You know, you had Uptown Saturday Night. You had uh, that. What was it? Uptown Saturday Night. Piece of the action was the third one. What was the second one, Captain? Let's do it again. Yeah, oh, how can I forget that? Yeah, let's do it again. Let's, let's do it again. <laughs> was was my favorite one. That was my favorite one. I think um, was it the, the well? Let's do it again. Was a song too that the the Staple Singers I believe performed. I believe it was the Staple Singers or it was um, Gladys Knight. I think it was the Staple Singers though. Anyway. Uh, Ms. Dubois passed on, and then there's Esther Scott that I remember seeing as a character actor, and, you know, a, a cherubic face, you know, very pleasant looking. Uh, she dies at 66, which again is kind of relatively young. Uh, I believe she suffered from a heart attack, so uh, she made the rounds as well, but actually she, she came into the scene uh, later. Well, she, you know, she's younger than Dubois, but Boys in the Hood, uh, playing a grandmother in that. She was in a boy. I remember from Boys in the Hood. Um, well, I think Austin Powers is another one. I mean, I, I do remember her face, and I hate to see. And I think more recently she was in The Birth of a Nation. That was the uh, Nate Parker, the Nate Parker film going back in '16. Um, I, I really hate to, to see you know our people leaving the planet prematurely. Uh, cherish, cherish these folks while you can, people, because everyone is leaving, man. They're leaving. Anyway, um, enough of that. You know, we'll, we'll have to revisit it. Okay, so let's, um, yeah, let's go into this thing. Let's, let's go into a little bit of controversy, <laughs> Captain. This is, this is unsettling. This is the middle name, the middle name. Yeah, maybe. But I, you know, this this is so much look i mix it up with the folks on the internet 
on uh, Twitter, social media. And it's to the point now I'm trying very hard not to be able to be uh, – I'm trying hard to maintain my honesty you know, about how I really feel. The captain is, is far more um, – like I'm supposed to be the conservative one, but he's more conservative or more shrewd about, about being – about playing it close to the cuff when it comes down to how he really feels about certain subjects. Me, in my head, what, I, what, I, what I'm thinking and what I put out there in the atmosphere, I'm thinking it made sense, and I'm trying not to offend anyone. But we're in this space now where I, I just think we have uh, different synapses or something. Um, I think people hear what they want to hear. Like if I make a statement on something, I didn't say anything. And I honestly, you know, if I'm going to say, if I'm going to say something clearly, I'm going to say it clearly. If I did not say that, I don't really want someone to misconstrue something. So I've, I've had these discussions on the internet, and it's very difficult to have these discussions because you you you, you get classified as you know, uh, biased or what have you. So what am I talking about? Uh, these same folks that have a problem with my thought processes, I think they, they, they represent the, the same young lady, you know, from a, a millennial, maybe even Generation Z, from UVA, University of Virginia, who's supposed to be one of the woke people. And I've seen some of these people on campuses. The, 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 the liberal college campus scene is something I've – it's not even liberal anymore. It's fascist because when I, was, when I was in college, you actually had a liberal college scene. Now, many of, the, many of our nation's colleges do um, veer toward the left. They just do. Um, when, I was, when I was attending Hampton – um, some of the some of the curriculum, as a political scientist, political science class, you know, we were given folks like Manning Marable, the, the late Doctor Manning Marable, and at the time, you know, I just read I just read the book that was given to me. But when you start to go outside, you know, when you leave the college campus and you you know you still keep in touch with these authors, you start to realize like, oh, this guy's actually a Marxist. Oh, this guy's a, is a straight up um, communist. You know, you're given a book. It's part of the curriculum. A specific teacher will give it to you. And at the at that time, I, I probably would have classified myself as a um, a Democrat. I was definitely a registered Democrat at that time, a Democrat, a liberal, what have you. Uh, as you get older, as you experience a few things, and I'm still going through a maturation process. But you libertarian. Uh, <laughs> well, that's true too. Because there's stuff going going on the right that are, that's problematic. You know, I, I'm more of a. If anything, I think of myself more of a as a pragmatist. If they were going to make a uh, political designation, I would prefer for there to be just anyone who espouses pragmatism. But you know that. Be no, that it's, as not it's not allowed. It's not allowed. It's not, it's not, not allowed. You're not allowed to be a pragmatist. Um. So what am I talking about again? So. I'm going to play this clip from this young lady from the University of Virginia. And when you hear what she says, what she says, as one of the woke folk, this is the mindset that I've, I am encountering with people that are so rabidly one way in their view. 
that they cannot handle an opposing view. So this is where you get the, the, the cancel culture from. This is where you get, um, I'm going to block you. Now, when somebody is disrespectful or calls you out your name or does something that's you know, inextricably, inextricably racist, go for it. No problem. But now you, you see people that, you know, you just have a different, different opinion. And I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to block you. They can't handle it. Growing up with some of the, the programming in, in the 90s, um, I recollect seeing at least you could say, quote unquote, the N word. Back then, you didn't even say the N word. You just said nigger. The, the, the pejorative. If said in context, I remember when Sherry Shepard, I've, I've mentioned this uh, a few times before, Sherry Shepard, the comedian and actress who was on The View for many years, when Barbara Walters was, was part of that outfit, and she was reporting about um, Governor Perry, Governor Perry from Texas, when he was running for president, and when they were scrutinizing him and how he had a ranch. There are still places in this country that, ha- that are named the pejorative, the, the N-word, quote-unquote, nigger pejorative, and this was Nigger Head Ranch. That's what, that's what it was called. Now, he was called on it, as he should have been, and I believe, you know, this is Texas. I believe at some point they renamed it, but he had to be called on that. Uh, um, Walters is a seasoned journalist. So she was just reciting the name, just, just talking about the story, like just straight ahead. You know, she said this ranch named Niggerhead Ranch, blah, 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 blah. You know, she set it up. No one was looking at her cross because she's just – people who have, who have common sense know she's not calling anyone indirectly or directly the, the pejorative. She's, talk, she's just reciting the name of this ranch. The first inclination that I got that we, we're, on, we're off the rails was that this woman – and this is online. You can go to YouTube and look at this. She confronted, she confronted Walters on air and said something to the effect, you know, I, I don't like you saying that word. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, um, I don't feel comfortable with you saying that word. And Walters looked at her like, what? And that's that's what's happening now. I'm noticing that we're in 1990, 80, 95, whatever. You know, within the last. 20 years going back, you could say the word in context, people knowing you're saying the word, even if, even if it was in a uh, dramatic piece or whatever. We, we knew what, what was going on and why the word was being said. It wasn't, you weren't calling someone directly that word. Now, you can't, you can't use the word under any circumstances. That's the mindset we're dealing with now. That people can't take, they can't take it, in quotes. So I'm going to play this clip of this young lady from the University of Virginia, one of these woke people. And you, I leave it up to the audience to determine what the hell, what is this from a black woman? Hold on. Public service announcement. Excuse me. If y'all didn't know, this is the MSC, and frankly, they're just 
too many white people in here, and this is a space for people of color. So just be really cognizant of the space that you're taking up, because it does make some of us POCs uncomfortable when we see too many white people in here. It's only been open for four days, and frankly, there's the whole university for a lot of y'all to be at, and there's very few spaces for us. So keep that in mind. Thank you. The original video has now been deleted, but it's still going around Twitter. The video was first posted by a friend of the student on a Monday. It originally got a couple hundred likes, 95 retweets, and a few comments before being deleted. But what really brought attention to the video was when it was reposted by conservative group Young America's Foundation. That's biology professor Brett Weinstein, whose class was taken over last month by a group of students from the Evergreen State College. Student activists demanded that all white people leave campus or else. Brett Weinstein refused. He's professor at Evergreen State, and he called the race-based demand, quote, a show of force and an act of oppression. Not a discussion. You have lost that one. You said some racist Can you I did apologize? not. I did not. Okay. Not telling people color the useless. You're useless. History could pivot in the direction of the values that you are standing here for. Yeah, resign. What? Resign. <laughs> they imagine that I am a racist and that I am teaching racism in the classroom, and uh, that has caused them to imagine that I have no right to speak, that I am harming students by the very act of teaching them. You should crawl back into your mother's rancid womb, gestate for a few more hours, fly back out, and then learn something about not being an entitled white piece of because motherfuckers like you come here and you have no idea what it's like to be gay, to be a person of color, to know what it's like to live with institutional racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia. Yeah! What is your problem? Get that problem with you. Dude, what the f down? Why the f are you filming? Because you're attacking me right now. Dude, you need to step back. Like, dude. Didn't do anything to you. You asked us to leave. We left. Why the f are you guys filming me? Because you're attacking me. Jesus Christ. What? What? Because they are because they are not being integrated into society. We are not looking for special treatment. We are looking to be able to integrate ourselves into society. And if you refuse to if you refer if you refuse to refer to us by our pronouns, which are, is not a lot to ask, they singularly they pronouns go all the way back to Shakespeare. It's not a new thing. If you refuse to let us integrate ourselves into society, you create alienation that results in suicide. We are in a suicide epidemic right now. What are you contributing to this as a psychologist? Man, you know, you're almost impossible. You're so full of rhetoric that it's impossible to listen to you. I would be more than happy to listen to rhetoric. Yeah, really. Avoid rhetoric. And I yes, actually, I don't really think I am a rhetorician. Just so you know, just so you know that. And you know, like it's very hard to listen to you. I mean, it's very hard to attend to you because you rattle on in your with your ideological speech. It's not ideological. It's all right. 
So that was an amalgam of a number of things, but I guess it's meant to kind of show the the, the, the vibe of what or the temperature in the room on many of these college campuses. And I've seen video footage, and I, I never forgot that I remember seeing, um, I think it was on a, I think when, when Huff Post, I think Huff Post might have Huff, the Huffington Post, Ariana Huffington, um, her blog. Uh, I, you know, I haven't been on there for, I go there from time to time, but I haven't really checked out their um, streaming aspect. They used to have, when, when Dr. Mark Lamont Hill was involved with that, they used to interview people, and they had a, they had a studio format just like Fox, just like CNN. And it was pretty cool considering that it was on the Internet. So I remember that uh, there was a woman, of, a woman of Asian descent, a young woman of Asian descent, and she was kind of rattling off uh, in this ideological way that we just heard. And um, the host, that's all, this is on YouTube too. This is going back maybe five or six years ago. And she said, I don't have to listen to you. Like, you know, they were, he was saying, look, I'm trying to have a conversation with you. But then she cut him off and said, well, you're a white male, and I don't have to listen to what you say. So it wasn't even a, you, weren't even in a, you weren't even able to have a conversation. She said, well, you know, you, I don't have to listen to you. You're a white male, basically. And you're seeing some of that echoing that sentiment with some of these people. And it comes up being a reverse of what people of color had to do to be able to, to be even be on um, a, a campus like University of Virginia. University of Virginia is a, is a, 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 a school of high esteem. Um, dare I say it's of Ivy League caliber. You know, Ivy League has a lot more to do with um, Northeastern schools of note. But, you know, this is, this, this is a southern school. But as far as scholastics, University of Virginia is up there. But if you're, but if you're going to take – if you're a black woman talking about – uh, there's too many white people here. Then take your ass to my school in Virginia, okay? If that's the part that's troubling, Captain, is that she, she as a black woman, it's em, it's embarrassing to see that kind of behavior on a PWI. You're in a predominantly white institution to begin with. They don't really want they don't want your black ass there. So now you're gonna you're gonna set the rules. On a predominantly white in a predominantly white school, when you could have taken your ass to uh, Virginia Union or to, to the second HU, <laughs> Howard, Hampton, Spelman, I mean, what is this? You gonna you gonna pull that at UVA? At UVA, really, really? Anyway, you already know what I'm gonna weigh on. I I thought I thought it was an embarrassing. What? Where is this behavior coming from? Because it is nonsensical. Well, there's always been problems at college campuses. You go way back. You go back into the '60s. Nothing new. Nothing new. But the thing is, is what black people got to realize. The young black people, you older people realize this. The older people realize this. There's no such thing as a safe space. There's no such thing. People get shot. People run up in your house and shoot you in your face. That wasn't that safe, was it? Of course not. Everybody's house. Once in a while, it happens. No sense. There's no safe space. Probability swings a certain way. It's gonna go down. When you go to your after you graduate from college, you know, or you go get your master's further education, where are you going to work, black people? That's not a safe space where you're going to work. You might go to work in a Fortune 500 company. The white man run that. 
You're not running anything. You don't have any power. So you have to realize there's no such thing as a safe You're going to have to be able to get along with who's around you for a little while longer until we get to the, you know, the Yellowstone blows and all the other stuff. Then you have race war, and you mess a white man, and a white man kill it all for you, and you have to leave the country. <laughs> but for now, you have to be able to get along. That's how it operates. You can't be, you can't be running around, oh, black people, run over here, run over this, run over that. You get on a job, they quickly say, but they know how to word it on the job. Oh, you're not a team player. <laughs> God let you go. And you're going to cry racism. You can't just talk and everything like that. you got to get along, believe it or not. That's the real world. And if you get any of these corporate jobs, you see all type of people, homosexuals, transgender, Latinx, white people, black people. What you have in common, usually, not all the time, you, you know, you went to college, you got job experience. That's what you have in common, and that's what you got to bond around. You can't let them other things run you all around because that's the working atmosphere. It's called discrimination, you know. And you get yourself gone and you get your banded, you know. You get banded. Banned. All right? <laughs> it's not going to work unless you're doing your own thing and you can get some outside funding for that type of mentality. It's not going to work. You got to go to work someday, and you're going to work around other people. Because as you get more progressive, not liberal, as you progress more up the economic ladder, as black people, you see less and less of yourselves. So if you want to make some money, you're going to have to be able to get along. Because even these other groups, they'll take your money. <laughs> they'll let you say, okay, you got, you got this, you got that. Maybe they won't get you the best deal but they'll take your money. So that attitude that she was displaying is not going to work in the real world. But they're a young person. They'll figure that out. And that'll lead to their frustration. Back over to you, Africa. Yeah, I mean, just to close out, I mean, to be at a school like that, you know, like the University of Virginia, I mean, it's like that's that's the last place you should be able to pull that kind of nonsense. And, uh, again, how, how quote-unquote, pro-black are you if if you're not going to if you're not going to consider you didn't consider going to a Spelman with that kind of you know if you if you're so harmed by being around white people then then why why are you and and mind you there are white students at these black universities you know that's also evident um, but it, it just seemed like so much immaturity and as a as a person of color when I see that and I and I go in and out of tribalism you know again shout out to uh, Star Star Buckwild well, Troy Terrain. Uh, former New York City uh, radio host, uh, he's the one that input it in my head to be more um, conscious of tribalism. That sometimes you can't be, you can't be so tribal where you can't think for yourself. Uh, and I've had, and I've had um, skirmishes with the idea of tribalism dating back to when I was uh, pledging a fraternity at Hampton. I was going to uh, pledge. Um, Kappa Alpha Psi, and I I knew, I knew in my brain, in my heart, that I don't, I don't, I'm not a follower. I'm not a follower. So it was, it was already kind of an an antagonism, an inward struggle to even deal. But I did, I did want to become a part of or experience the the 
the, the, to have the college experience. I wanted that, and I thought that um, joining a fraternity would do it. But there's some things you, you end up doing and seeing that will go against your morals. And at some point, I had to, I had to dip out. I had to dip out. I said, my parents are spending too much money down here. And, um, you know, the, the, the beatings, because there was, there was a, a violent aspect to it. I said, okay, you know what? This is where I'm going to get off this gravy train. Some of it just, some of it just, just started just not making any sense. And that, that was my first, my first experience with the notion of you, you can't think for yourself. And uh, I go, and when it comes to racial uh, tribalism, I go in and out of it. And this this woman, it got so in it that you 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 sound like an idiot. And one thing I I I, I always thought about um, people of color, black folks, how we've been treated treated in this country, is that we always we were not we're not racially superior because I don't believe in such a thing, but I do believe we are morally or we. Or we have the moral superior, superior edge, having having experienced the things that we've experienced. But now, if you flip the script like this young lady did, then you lose the moral edge. You lose the moral edge. So I'll leave it at that. This is embarrassing, but this is the way right now. Isn't that, isn't that from the Mandalorian? This is the way. <laughs> anyway, folks, you're listening to the umpteenth edition of the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk, oftentimes the Uncanny DROB. We have a lot more to, a lot more to discuss. I want to talk about uh, Lock and Key, Season 1. Have you seen this thing yet on Netflix, Captain, for the Image comic book? No, sir. No, sir. It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. Um, Brian Tyree Henry, who actually I appreciate his acting um, from Atlanta. And from widows, I mean, actually, he's making the he's making the round. He's in Joker. He's in Joker. Uh, he's going to be in a historical part. He's going to have a historical part under the Marvel umbrella as a gay character, along with another man of color, Haz Sleeman, as a couple in this Eternals film. And I think some black folk have problems with it. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to be accused of some stuff. Um, I don't know what I think about this thing. I, I, my, I'm always saying the same thing. I, I, I have a problem with the pieces being pieces being moved the way that they are. That's my issue with it. Not not of the existence of gay characters in films, um, because it, you know it's a part of life. So I, I do want to see aspects of life that that are real that can be connected to fantasy that's cool but when when we don't control these images i get very leery i get very leery so anyway we'll talk about the eternals we'll talk about locking key uh harriet tubman is on a debit card i think we might let, let's go into that <laughs> wendy williams has a problem too i kind of agree with wendy williams a little though i'll explain i'll explain a little Anyway, let's go to this groove. When we come back, a lot more to discuss. This is the Black Tones. The Black Tones. Plaid pants. Two minutes. Let's groove. Black Rock at its finest.
right, we're back once again. The Black Tones Flad Pants. This is the midweek review edition of After Featuring Captain Kirk, and oftentimes the uncanny Daryl B. You too can join in on the discourse. The call in number is 646 915 9620. Once again, 646 915 9620. So before the break, I was all over the place. There's a lot more to get into. Uh, Captain, like picking a card. Where shall we go next? We have the Harriet Tubman debit card, courtesy of One United, African-American-owned bank. We've got Wendy Williams getting it in against uh, gay males and then apologizing. We have uh, uh, Atlanta actor, Joker actor, Brian Tyree Henry in Eternals. What say you, sir? Where do you want to go? Go with the lock and key. <laughs> All right. So lock and key is a comic book that I bought. The time flies. I think lock and key is from image. And I, I book might be, let me, let me not, let me not give out any, any misinformation. Um, lock and key, you know, I said image. No, lock and key is actually IDW, IDW publishing. And, uh, I'm trying to get the actual year. Yeah, okay, damn, yeah. So it's going back more than more than 10 years. Um, 2009, 2010. So I remember, I remember picking up the book uh, for a few issues. So thankfully I have the first couple of issues because as you would expect, when some of these properties become popular, then the books that came from them or the books that, that inspired the, the cinematic translation end up becoming of value. So out of curiosity, uh, curiosity I'm going to uh, eBay, and I'm seeing Lock and Key number one going for a couple of hundred bucks if it's professionally graded. So, um, so there you go. But, so I'm looking at Lock and Key on Netflix, and... Uh, well, for, well, thankfully, it's a, a multicultural deal. I mean, you do see um, uh, representation in Lock and Key. But the premise essentially is a family whose patriarch dies in a very um, quick and tragic way by a student. The, the father, this patriarch was... A let's say early 40s because the kids are teenagers, so like an early 40s dude, kind of a hip guy, and he gets killed. Not giving, I don't want to give so much about so much of the plot away, but he gets killed by a troubled student um, as a counselor. The, the the patriarch, the father was a counselor, and uh, the Locke family, L O C. That's you know hence the title L O C K E. The Locke family are forced not only to deal with the death of their father, the mother, and the two kids, the two teenagers, male and female, brother and sister. Oh, I'm sorry. Two brothers and one sister. Uh, they have to end up going back to their ancestral home. So it's, it's kind of like this manor that, that's a locked family, a locked family uh, estate. And they go back to this this. Huge house, this huge manor. It's it's essentially a mansion. And what happens is they find that there's a mystical, magical element to the house. 
and um, it's it's a generational home. Like if you go into this house, you see pictures of of other locks, other lock family members going back, you know, maybe a hundred, two hundred years. And without again, I'll keep it. I'll cut it here. The children, you you have to be young enough and a and a lock and young enough to be able to find keys within the house that that allow you to gain entrance into like other dimensions in the house or or allow you to 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 garner a certain kind of uh mystical power set so uh this is happening you know some adults kind of have an awareness you know there's also uh you know, the father didn't really talk that much about this house because when he was a teenager, and again, even the time is like right. Like again, this is an early forties guy, so his kids are in their teens. So let's say so when they do a when they do a time jump, they go to like nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety seven. So when he was in high school, he also was encountering these keys in his house. So now you see the next generation of his children. Dealing with some of these these mystical properties, mystical beings, uh, different different um, uh, dimensions within the house. So the acting is top notch. The CGI is pretty cool. Again, it's Netflix. I didn't see all of the episodes. I think I got the episode. Uh, I think seven or eight. Um. You know what? Let me see just how many episodes there are. I think, uh, yeah, ten. So I'm about two episode episodes shy of the conclusion for, I believe, season one. I think this is going to be an ongoing season. But yeah, Joe Hill, Gabriel Rodriguez, those were the creators of the comic book Locking Key, and then we have now we have the translation for Netflix. So I think I think Netflix really has it has done it again. I'm I'm um. See now I want to I I want to revisit I do want to revisit the comic book but uh, I think it's out of my price range now even though I have a few of the the first couple of issues. What are your thoughts about at least what I've said about the premise of Lock and Key? Well, the first thing I think about, which it sounds similar but it doesn't have anything really directly to do with it, is the video game from 1981, the Lock and Chase video game. You know, which was a very good video game made in Japan, but that's that's a whole other story, All right? So I'll check it out. I got Netflix. You see what's going on? It's no problem. It's right there. All I gotta do is log off. No big deal. I'll check it out. I see what you're talking about. Uh, listeners can do the same thing when they have time, of course. When you, when you have time, all right. I don't think based by uh, Afternoon's reaction. That this is just, oh, I got to run out and go see it, you know, when you have time, you know. So I'll check it out. I'll see what it is, see what's going on. You understand? Yeah, That's also, uh, also uh, right. you'll, rec- you'll recognize um, one of the, the twin actors. Um, who, you know, it's funny how you see these people. You, are you getting any feedback or something? Is that me or you? I don't know. Might have been. That's you. Yeah, that's you. Oh, I'm, I'm putting your mic on. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of buzzing uh, on, on your mic, Captain. I, I don't know what's happening here. But anyway, uh, just as a pleasant surprise, you, know, you see these actors and, um, you know, you start to see them in, in certain kind of fantasy sci-fi roles. So the Ashmore twins, um, Sean Ashmore, I believe you might be familiar with. He played, uh, I believe he played Iceman in the early iteration of the Fox X-Men properties. And his brother, Aaron Ashmore, who you know, who played Jimmy Olsen in Smallville. And he was also in Warehouse 13, one of my pot. And I think he's also was in Killjoys. They look like they're identical twins. I can't tell that. I can't tell the You know, I can't tell them apart. But yeah, Sean, I believe, was in X-Men. And Aaron is also playing the uncle of who has kind of a history with the father, you know, his brother who was killed, the patriarch. But he, because he's an adult, some things he can remember, some things he can't remember. There's this whole deal of being young enough to be able to uh, remember the magic and to take advantage of the magic or disadvantage of the magic in that house. And something happened when he was a teenager with his brother that has yet to be disclosed. So I think he, something tragic happened, something, there's a mystery around him. But anyway, pleasantly surprised, Aaron Ashmore was also makes an appearance in this Netflix series. All right, so moving along from that, uh, let's 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 get into this uh, Wendy Williams thing real quick. I want I want to I want to get this clip now. Wendy Williams, look, I'm no fan, um, and uh, you know, look, she's been likened to being what the queen of all media. Now, I, I remember uh, experiencing and seeing her rise in New York radio and transitioning from New York radio to being a, a uh, talk show host. And she has, she has a certain branding clownish demeanor that you know, doesn't really, doesn't really gel with me, but just as there was a bit of a, a dust up, you know, a friendly dust up as to my uh, perceived, my perceived support of Snoop Dogg. And I, I, I not discounting him being a minstrel, albeit a talented one. I'm not discounting him being a minstrel. Uh, my broken clock theory stood on that. I, I, stand, on, I stand on my square, on the, bro, the broken clock square for Snoop Dogg, and I stand on my square for this one, mo- this one moment of clarity from uh, Wendy Williams. And again, I'm not a supporter of Wendy Williams, but I think, there, I think there's something there with what she said that that uh, was critical of gay men versus cisgender women and this Galentine's Day. Now, uh, look, I happen to see Galentine, Galentine with a G, folks. Galentine's Day. I saw that trending on Twitter. I didn't know what the hell it was, but I, I could I could kind of figure it out. And you know, it's basically women who are single during Valentine's Day and trying to seek foe and foe empowerment on Valentine's Day. So um, she had some thoughts about Valentine's Day, and then she went, off, she went off on a tangent where I think she said what she really, she felt comfortable in saying what she really wanted to say, and then she remembered, oh, my supporters, many of them are of the LGBTQ community, so now I have, I have to be phony 
and be concerned about my finances as opposed to being uh, honest. And she had to do an apology. She had to do a mea culpa. Honesty don't pay the rent, dude. I get it. I, obviously. <laughs> so I'm going to play this clip, and then we will unpack. We, we, re, we will be respectful, but I kind of agree. But maybe she didn't word it right. You tell me. Hold on. Look at here now, um, gay man. You'll never be the woman that we are, no matter how gay. Wendy Williams is in the hot seat once again. This time, it's for comments she made about gay men on Thursday's episode of her show. We've got a lot to talk about. During Hot Topics, Wendy polled the audience to see who plans on celebrating Valentine's Day. She had this to say when men started clapping. Well, first of all, if you're a man and you're clapping, you're not even a part of this, okay? All right, you don't even understand the rules of the day. It's women going out and getting saucy and then going back home. Yeah, you're not a part. I don't care if you're gay. You don't get a mency every 28 days, all right? And her comments, well, they didn't stop there. You can do a lot that we do, but I get offended by the idea that we go through something you will never go through. And stop wearing our skirts and our heels. <laughs> Just saying, girls, what do we have for ourselves? Although the audience applauded, many viewers at home ran to social media to criticize the talk show host's comments. One Twitter user saying, quote, Wendy Williams, let the gays wear their skirts and heels. They are the reason you look good when you step out on your stage. Another saying, quote, at Wendy Williams, really? What sort of ignorance is coming out of your mouth regarding gay men wanting to be women? Really, Wendy? Look, we agree to disagree. Although Wendy's comments were met with a lot of backlash, some people online agreed with her. This fan tweeted, at Wendy Williams, thank you for saying what we as women want to scream every day. Hashtag gay men, hashtag let us have something. Later on in the show, Wendy made it very clear that she stands by everything she says on the show, saying, quote, I say it and I mean it. All right. So, Captain, you have a thought? Any thoughts on this? I mean, you know, she said these comments. She was trying to be off the cuff, and she went left. At least some perceive her to have gone left. Uh, you know, other folks around me, including the Oracle, quite a few people, you know, when they in candor told me, you know what, she's kind of on to something. And, and uh, well, you know, I, I'm verbose. I, I'll tell you, I'll expand on my thoughts. But what do you what do you think? And then I'll tell you what I think. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be careful because men could go the same way. We we turn we could turn around and say, "Hey, you women really don't got it." You understand? We got gotta take our support for you to get it. These these men do all do everything, and and they're doing it pretty much by themselves. You gotta be supported. You gotta have all. You could you don't play this game. You start playing this game, you're gonna lose because everyone knows where the power is. Now going further with it. You see, what people got to realize is this. Reality is created by the powers. All right? Wherever the energy energy is going, that's what's going to become real. 
You could be right all day long. If I got the power and I want you to be wrong, you're going to be wrong. So shut your dumb mouth on, all, on some of this stuff. That's just what you got to do. You got to go through the motions, really. That's what they're telling you. That's what the power says. You understand? You're going to get in trouble at some point. They take a people, people that have a couple of tweets, and they turn that into something big. Most people are probably on, you know, the other side of this. But they wanted the controversy because that's what the powers that be wanted, you know. So they take a take something that she said and just say, oh, we got a couple of tweets. We got a couple of this. Who the hell cares at the same time? Now, this is really a controversy that they pull, play up into a controversy. Someone had an opinion. That opinion is not going to warp reality, all right? Warping the reality comes from the top, you understand? All these movements are coming from the top. That's how it works. That's how it works. You understand? When you really check out where the energy is coming, do the paper trail. Coming from the top. Coming from the top. That's how reality gets changed, distorted, and everything else. Just doesn't happen like that. If one person sparks something, he or she has to gather the energy. If they can get the energy, then it can cause a change. You understand? Without the energy, it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. All right? You could be totally right. You understand? Be totally right. But the powers that be say something different. Look at children. Get off the, not to get off the subject, but look at children. They tell a four-year-old, oh, you can't smack them on their hand. That's abuse. Four-year-old understands the smack on the hand. They don't understand time out. They don't understand that. They, and then psychologists will tell you their brains are not developed enough to understand that. But they can understand a little, don't do that. You're not allowed to do that, though. You see, because the powers that be say that. You understand? You, everybody know better. When you, when the kid gets older, you can reason with them with a bit. You understand? That low level, huh? What are you doing? Hence, they go do it again. <laughs> so they tell you certain things, and you got to conform. That's just what it is, man. This is a controversy turned into a controversy. Because someone decided to run with it. That's how I feel about it. I don't care whether it's right or wrong. Don't matter. <laughs> uh, again, I, I, I don't know about this. I think that the Galentine's Day thing is just dumb, personally. But, I mean, that, that's kind of neither here nor there. Is what she said afterwards when she started really going into gay men. And <laughs> what it really was a discussion of, Captain, and I think there's something there was a, uh, it was a discussion of appropriation, wasn't it? Because we, see, we seem to be more clear when we, cert, when we say certain things are culturally appropriated. We, we seem to have that. See, a lot of this stuff is so arbitrary. That's when I have issues with, I have discussions with people. This is just people just, people just make it up ish. And then we just, the goalpost is moved and then we go into something. It's not really being intellectually honest. You have to be, you know, somewhere somewhere in the realm of, of logical reasoning. In other words, um, and, and it just dawned on me one day. I see that our, our supporter uh, Q Storm wants to weigh in. I'll bring him in in a sec. So uh, I, was, I, I happened to I was at the Oracle one day, and uh, I happened to thumb through a newspaper, and I, this is that you know. Every every award ceremony you see Billy Porter out front. The media, white media, I should say, loves to put to to put Billy Porter out out front. This is a great thing, according to media, mainstream media. Um, I'm looking at this guy. 
He's on a red carpet, and I see these women like taking taking the secondary position. You know, you the, the the whole fashionista thing is very much. I mean, look, I like to dress myself, right? I understand the fashion. I like the fashion thing, but when it comes to when it comes to women's fashion, women's fashion is its own institution. So when I'm looking at J Lo, and I'm looking at J Lo. J Lo and all these people. Hey, look, J Lo, what she wore, like that infamous green dress when she was dating Puffy Combs, when they messed that up. But that's a different point. That's 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 beyond the point. When she when she wore that dress, it made her career. That dress was. They keep on. Ref- that dress is everything. That green dress. So women, it, it, some things I think are 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 a woman's are, are kind of a woman's thing. I can't put it any other, any other way. And 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 as of late, you're seeing more women, more men wearing these dresses, not as a goof. This is not like uh, um, Flip Wilson being funny stuff, nor even the guys that I think were from uh, South Park. I think South Park even did a, a kind of a comical version of the of the. Um, J-Lo dress, Jennifer Lopez dress. Billy Porter's being serious. So I'm looking at I think, wow, you're, you're kind of, something dawned on me. I said, you're kind of taking away, you're kind of taking away the steam from the women on this. Some, that's, it just clicked so at though? me once. Say, say it again. <laughs> so what though? Well, I mean, look, I'm not a, I'm not a woman, but I, I'm not a woman, but I appreciate, I appre- I appreciate the the women, the woman's mystique. See, this, I appreciate this the now, 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 now I, I can't appreciate that anymore. It's yeah, the, the shifting. Take the loss. I'm not you taking a loss. loss. I gotta have my feet, Captain. Because, Captain, I like cause, Captain, cause <laughs> the powers that be say otherwise. If you got a problem with men taking back shots, men can take back shots. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They can. That's a, you could easily say that's a woman thing, but men can take back shots if you're gay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you're going to reality. Hey, I'm talking about you're going somewhere else. No, but okay. that's where they're gonna go with when it comes with you. You see, what I'm saying you have to be careful with them type of arguments. You see, what I'm saying they'll they'll do the same type of thing. They'll pass over. You have to be very careful. You have to be very I- careful. I I think I think there's something to her argument about appropriation and encroaching on women's mystique. Let me repeat that. I think there's something there, because if you reverse it, they're going to have a problem. There are certain things that are that are that are of gay culture. Once it becomes, and it happens actually, you know, there, there's, there's no there's, fairness there's, on earth. It's all about well, power. <laughs> There's no okay. You want an even fair? That's what you want. That's not what's happening now, man. I tell you Black that before. But I think you lose your argument because if you if you believe that, then black folks wouldn't have gotten where they got to this far when black folks were on the lower scale, power wise in the fifties and sixties. We still took the moral high ground. There wouldn't be a Dr. King. There wouldn't be a Malcolm X. There wouldn't be uh, a Megger Evers. Those people took they they didn't they couldn't take it anymore. So that, that was a that that wasn't they weren't what, what there was a white power structure and those people did what they could to fight against that. 
So when you say that wh- whoever's in power, you know, goes, so now you're saying that there's there's a power edge with yeah. um they gave they gave the black community a little something. The powers that be gave it to them. Yeah, that might be that's what they have a point. That's what they did. You didn't do anything yourself. Everything you got from was from them. That's what you got. The only thing you did for yourself, well, of course, there was more things with the Negro Leagues and all that other stuff that you did yourself. But all of that, getting into baseball and everything else, and all these other things, great things, allegedly that we did, the powers that be had to say, here, you go, black man. You didn't take anything. They could have left you right over there, which you might have been better. <laughs> you might have been better doing that, you know, with some of the, the businesses and all these other type of things that we had. That's what's happening. I, I want to bring I'm going to bring um, Houston in this, but I think you know even as a man appreciating the woman's or female mystique, you know the the girly girl things, um, makeup, hair, uh, uh, fingernail polish, toenail polish, of you know all those you know just frilly girly things. They might have a right to say, look, you know, we, we need to have some things, don't we? Now it's kind of to me. To me, it feels like it's a bogarting. I'm going to take this from you. Like Billy Porter Billy Porter saying, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to take your, I'm going to take your steam. I'm, I'm going to take this dress from you. That's kind of what he's doing, isn't he? Isn't he? When, when the women used that to be is. talked about, now we're talking about him. These women are yeah. these. And look, the nature. Look, I know how this na- this na- nature thing goes. the The nature of of a of many women, not all women, there are out there, you know, differences and outliers and everything. But m- much of much of what makes up a woman, much of it, has to do with um, vanity and being seen and being appreciated. Like you, you you don't go through hours in the makeup chair, hours at the hair salon, just to, just to look at yourself in the mirror. I mean, there there is an element of vanity involved. So, anyway, let me go to Q Storm. He may think differently. I, I I just feel like I think she had a moment where she spoke, maybe too frank too frankly. But I think there was I think there was something there. If there's cultural appropriation, maybe there's maybe there's gender appropriation. I don't know. Um, Q Storm, your thoughts about Wendy Williams and my broken clock theory. Again, with this, well, we're not going. With a minstrel, well, okay. she's a minstrel. All right. So, but you know what? I saw a video of her on Twitter back in the '80s. She was dating a rapper or something. I forget who. I forget. But man, she actually looked good. <laughs> That's the '80s. I how good, I forgot how good she used to look. <laughs> That's the '80s, bro. Um, <clears throat> Eric Sermon. I'm going to Sermon. I believe she was dating that? Eric Sermon. She used to date Eric Sermon at one point. Okay, I think that was it, yeah. I'm going to surprise you and say that I actually agree with you. Uh, However, I still think the exact thing that we've been going back and forth about for the past three, four days, it happened with her. She may have had a point, and I tend to agree with her on this point, unlike I agree with our favorite rapper. But um, I just think she took it too far. She just took it too far when she said, stay out of our skirts and shoes. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I used to look, 
I used to live up in New York. I mean, you can't tell a gay man to do you can't say that to a gay man. Come on now. But uh in terms of appropriating the gender, that's a unique way of saying it. But um I think she's on the We we talk about it all the time. Appropriating uh uh black culture. Black culture. Uh, I, I, yeah. I I was um this 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 weekend. And I'm gonna see if I can get you down here for this. Uh, a friend, a friend of mine. He, he's, he's the father of one of my son's schoolmates. He, uh, he's a fundraiser or a, what do you call it, grant writer, <clears throat> and he produces these uh, brothers brunchins, brothers brunch programs. We had one in the barber shop. It was a, it was an awesome thing to, to, to witness. I think maybe 20 brothers in there. We were just talking about all kinds of stuff, right? There was a woman. There was a woman there, right? And as much as we all love our black women, she she knew her lane. Can I say that? <laughs> maybe, maybe that? not. It's, maybe, maybe not. Somebody's gonna be sensitive and say you can't say that. She she took photos. She um, and she she basically she basically was there to help out. And she let the brother speak. Now, if she wanted to say something, I'm, you know, none of us would have been like, well, sister, no, no, no. But she was like, okay, let me, I'm going to let them have this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't talk about that anymore. But, you know, I, I, I have to agree with Wendy. I just think she took it too far. You got to know when to stop. So that's all I have to say. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Um, I, I was happy that someone said something about it because, like, again, I, I uh, remember seeing this Billy Porter person and a lot of people have a a thing about that guy you know where they feel like uh it, it's a it's stichoma it's 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 a constant and we're seeing you know look that this is this is his way to get attention like wait, wait, look i don't want to say i don't want to say this in a way that like like obviously not all women are like this you know we're, we're talking about human beings but there are a large swath of women keeping in line with the with the feminine mystique that they like attention, okay? And now you, you, you're, you're kind of getting into this territory where the guys are, get, are getting attention based on a, on a feminine mystique. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't, remember seeing, I don't remember seeing this going back so many years. Now we're at this point now where there's like a, a weird competitive thing going on where uh, we have to look at Billy Porter – on the on the red carpet, along with Jennifer Lopez and all these other actresses, I mean, what is I that? Just want to say, I want to say real quick two two things. I'm not going to take a long time, but I saw something. <clears throat> I can't remember what state it was. Was it Virginia, where they're banning uh, men, uh, college athletes who were men that are now women? They're banning them from female athletic programs. I think in Jersey it's happening. I kind of get that. I mean, I get that. How could you not understand it? But here's the other thing. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm going back and forth on chat boards being called homophobic just because I don't buy 100% into what they're demanding. It's not enough that you you, you want them to have rights. You You have to give yourself over to the entire thing, which I refuse to do. But these these men, these gay men who are applauding, they they're still men. So this is what I don't understand. You're still you're still a man. You just happen to love men, which is fine. But 
I mean, I can see the advocacy if you if you've transitioned into a woman, and even then, I think Wendy said it, but you're not having cycles every thirty days. You're not going through the same thing that women are. But these are men still, so I don't get that. We're we're, we're in a we're in a space now where there's a challenge to to a lot of what we know to be convention Q, and you got to be prepared to uh, uh to deal with it in some way. I mean. Uh, even at the even at the corporates, and I'm going to be very careful because I'm at the corporates. Uh, people are people are people have transitioned right before my very eyes. So uh, I know this stuff uh, up close and personal, and they're, they they are to be respected. Um, the, you know, it's the it's the human it's the human uh, experience, and you know this is this is the workplace. This is this is where we are now. Before this stuff was a theory to me. Now it's in my face. It's it's up close. You know, this is this is the new world order. So some of the stuff we're just going to have to deal with, um, and be respectful of it. And, and 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 actually, you know, look, I don't really have, I don't really have a dog in this race. Um, I'm very clear about how I how I feel about this stuff on a personal level. I guess my concern is because of what Afro Radio represents and and our followers. I just know flat blackness never gets accepted any goddamn place. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm keeping it simple for me. Flat, we can go we can go left, right, up, down, all these different things going on, but I know for sure anytime it's the tradi- the traditional black stand tall lane, you're not accepted. I know being a straight black male that I, I've seen some stuff that kinda like, oh, that's still stuff that still applies to me. <laughs> like if I if I if I'm in a company, especially of a woman who is white and perceived to be attractive. All eyes are on me. I can't just have a conversation with this woman, which is no, which is half the time what it is. It's like the whole office, the you know, the doors are open, eyes are cutting left and right, people are nervous. Uh, a, a white male will come in your come in your purview and say, "Is everything okay? Uh, are you all right?" Uh, you know, like this this hulking black figure is he bothering you? I mean, you know, it's, that old school 1950, 1930 thing is still going on with black males, and yet we have to pipe down on that. Some of the ire that we were discussing, right or wrong, with this whole thing with Snoop Dogg, we can debate on his language, but that ire is coming from a space because some some black men, some traditional black men are like, hey, wait a minute, you know, we haven't really, we 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 have, we're, our situation. Is unrequited. What's going on with just basic black men, basic blackness, basic anti-blackness? You know all this other stuff. You can't even wear your hair a certain way. You know you have women that their natural hair, like as it is as it is growing out of their skull, is controversial. So this is when you when you talk about those issues, I can't get past that to deal with transgender stuff and some of these other issues. I I think well, I'm more about all all encompassing. Basic blackness, which really envelops everything. Well, that, I mean, I, just, I don't, I just, don't, I can't do it. But go that's ahead. what was so funny. That was funny about that previous story about the girl woman who said, "I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get drugged for that too." <laughs> uh, you can say guys, you can't say girl anymore. But <clears throat> the woman who was at the college talking about there's too many white people here, exactly, while wearing a weave down to her, <laughs> down her back. When, uh, when, 
when Mr. Starks, it, 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 I had a, almost a physical pain. He tells me at his school that on the first day of Black History Month that the, uh, the, the principal, who happens, who happens to be a woman, that her first announcement is the paying homage to the inventor of the weave and that you could hear some of the black women in the school kind of doing a uh, huzzah or hurrah or whatever. You know, some kind of ex, you know, some kind of exclamatory, um, some kind of exclamatory uh, reaction. I said, really though? Like you know, Garrett Morgan, um, Madison C.J. Walker, uh, Charles Drew. Um, you know, none of those people rate, but the woman that created the weave, the Caucasian hair hat—that is what you like. We're lost. So I, 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 we got a lot of issues, man. I, I you know. I, I'm just I'm basic. I'm a flat black person. I just, I just see that 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 kind of stuff is not really except a black man with his woman raising children. We can't get that going on properly. You know we can I think we, we it's it's uh, revolutionary. And I'm not even a supporter of this of this woman. I thought she was a blurred, but she really is not. Issa Rae, Issa Rae, and um, Lakeith Stansfeld. They have a film out now that's a celebration of black love. Like basic black, just having basic black or even Black Panther. That was like controversial unto itself and takes a back seat to everybody else. Like we have like that, like like the black thing has been resolved for some reason. The black thing has not been resolved. And when I talk about this, people tell me, no, 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 you gotta talk about this other stuff. No, I can't do that. <laughs> I only got my attention span can only stay on this this one thing. When 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 Jim Brown, I'm always, I always go to Jim Brown. Why do I go to Jim Brown? <laughs> Jim Brown kisses, um, uh, uh, what's her name? I'm forgetting her name already. From, from 100, 100 Rifles, Raquel Welch. That was like, people couldn't handle it. <laughs> like black male sexual, like traditional black male sexuality. God forbid, uh, uh, well, she codes as white, but she's actually a Latina. Um, that was controversial. You can't, you know, the the basics you can't get to when it's a black man involved. That's still controversial, but we don't we don't talk about that. We're we're put to the side. Even with the the Gale thing was kind of putting black men to the side. Like we don't have ish. We don't have skin in this game. That's what I rep- That's that ire I think that we that you encountered, Q. Many of us where you know we have to go into this, but um, you know our disagreement or you know it was based on. Whatever Snoop Dogg did, black men were like, you know, I'm kind of tired of this stuff. <laughs> You're a little too focused on our dysfunction. You're not really respecting us. That's where that came from. Anyway, um, let me transition here of a different kind. Uh, this, this Eternals film. Now, this kind of goes into the same thing. I, I, kinda, I think some people, there's some murmuring. With some black people that feel like, you know, you got an opportunity to portray uh, the LGBT representation in Marvel, which is fine, which is fine. People think I have an issue. I want to see the best thing about comic books. What makes what makes comic books their best at this time, having comic books for so long, is we're in a space now that they actually are able to put real life real life in your fantasy 
and it makes it that much more tangible. That's cool. My problem is where who moves the chess pieces to have a black and brown guy as the first LGBTQ representation in the MCU? Because I'm seeing this kind of theme repeatedly. So as I said before, when it's a black when it's time for gay representation, you go straight to either the flamboyant gay male, black male, pardon me, flamboyant black gay male, or now, you know, when you're trying to create history, you give it to you give it to Mikey. Mikey Mikey will eat anything. That commercial. Mikey give it to Mikey. Mikey will eat anything. Give it to the blacks. And not that I not that you, you shouldn't have black gay representation. But when the corporates make the chess moves, I get I get like this is social engineering because now I'm seeing a lot of these positions where it's like, well, we don't have to have white folks to represent this. We can put it on black people. It, it rings as it rings as if it is dishonest. It doesn't ring. It doesn't ring uh, as authentic. It rings like we're going to re- we're going to usher this in, and we don't have to have a white face to it. So when it comes down to blurred culture, you see a reticence. When it comes down to stand tall, capable, intelligent, you know, uh, the the TV show um, Scorpion that that went off recently, four years on CBS, which was basically the nerd version of NCIS. I noticed uh, Asian, Indian, and white representation for like the nerd side of things. You don't want to see you don't you're, you're not able to see black intellectualism as a pop culture standard. A gay standard from a white perspective. They don't put the white guy there. They put the black guy there. You know what? Uh, this this thing nine eleven nine eleven, which is which which has the lovely lovely uh, Jessica um, not Jessica uh, Angela Bassett is in nine one one. I think it's on Fox. I. This is when you see social engineering. You see that her husband, her her husband, they go, her husband played by Michael Beach. Um, he comes out after having been married to her for I don't know twenty years, and he is you know gay black male black woman doesn't have a doesn't have. Uh, or you know, relationship now, and then the the uh, the other black woman that's in there is married to a wife. I mean, <laughs> wow. You see, you know, I, I, now somebody's going. Somebody's going. Hold on, hold on. Somebody's going to deem me being anti whatever. But what? And then Michael Beach, say ABC. Michael, same actor, is the father of a cop. On um, the rookie, <clears throat> black young male cop, he's also gay. The, the, now, how, now is Michael B. I mean, is Michael Beach a tall? He's he's a tall, bald actor, right? I don't. He's tall. He played he played um, in Aquaman as Black Manta's father. Okay, now I'm thinking of somebody else. Son. All right. Okay. Then, you know, I, could, I, I could do the six degrees of separation, Q. You also saw uh, what happened with um, a Yaya, which I didn't see the complete thing because my sensibilities aren't there. You saw Yaya Mateen, 
who did a great job in um, The Watchmen. And I'm going to talk about Watchmen, but you see, you see a theme going on here. And then you see, uh, you, you see uh, Yaya with that uh, fighting scorpion thing, which I didn't see fully. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of confused. When it's time to see a certain kind of like black male, we don't see that. But they're ready to usher in a whole lot of 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 gay life in black men as a, and I think I think look if black if if gay self determination if gay just like we had to see black panther from a black perspective these aren't black people making these chess moves these are white people making these chess moves and you know am I off tell me if I'm wrong isn't it a little peculiar now something ain't right let me, let me ask let me ask you this question. Maybe the people doing these movies don't really want to do, allegedly, theoretically, all right? Maybe, 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 inductively. Maybe they don't really want to do the gay situation, but if they're forced, but if they're forced, they say, give it to the lesser being, the black. Maybe. Put them in there. They don't want to do it the other way around. But, but there's been some, there's been some definitely white guys that play transgender, that trade, play things. There was one guy not too long ago that won Academy Award, you know, some other stuff for playing, playing, you know, so, you know, yeah, you uh, got to look at it. What's that guy's name? Uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey mm-hmm. Tambor, I think you're talking about. And ironically is that, he, you know, he, <laughs> he was touchy-feely. He was with the, he was with the women, you know, mm-hmm. but he was playing. He's, yeah, look, he's an actor. He's an actor. But, um... And again, I don't want this to be interpreted that oh, this is uh, anti-gay rant or whatever. I'm just well, it's going to be interpreted that way. You can, well, you can say it all day. That's what it is. You're, you're well, going at it. That's just what it is. <laughs> well, I, I no, I'm going. I I get suspicious when it comes off as if it's social engineering at the expense of the black male image, where where we've gone through decades of not being able to see black men um, in traditional roles. And now we're kind of like bypassing that because I I don't I, it's, something about it rings inauthentic when black people aren't control aren't in control of it. I think it's 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 to the it's it may, look when you think of, look at someone like Andy uh, Anderson Cooper or Andy Cohen right uh, or even uh, Pete Buttigieg we see gay white male representation accessing power right. But then, but then the black version of that is Billy Porter in a dress at the Oscars. That they're not being treated the same way. No, duh. <laughs> when the black people treated the same way. But <laughs> others will others will be so happy when you talk to these people. They're so happy to get like to get on board. Like they don't they don't care. Like I, we're getting a we're getting acknowledgement. I don't you know. Look, if they got you in a monkey suit, and, and uh, you know you you're getting you're getting acknowledgement, yeah, you're getting acknowledgement, but you're in a monkey suit, like someone's pulling okay. your strength. It seems dishonest. That's very true. It's very true. But Denzel Washington, what did he win his uh win his award for? <laughs> what did Haley Bailey win a Holly Bailey? What did she win well, see, award again, for? There you go. That that's my go. point. That's that's the that's the same maneuvering. 
I'm glad you brought it that is, in there. See, that that, that proves is. my point. It it's not. It can't be. It can't be by accident that any time these black folks win an Academy Award, you saw you you saw um, uh, a three six mafia gets an award for it's hard out here like a pimp. They didn't give Malcolm X. They, they, they didn't give uh, Denzel an award for Malcolm X, which he, he which he, he definitely deserved it for. Just, you know, it, it's always of a lesser dysfunctional kind of portrayal that you, you get. The, I mean, you got you had a whole line of black folks that got awards. You're not getting a, an award like a Wall Street award, like a a, 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 a Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, you're, you're not getting an award for being a corporate raider, for being a lawyer. For being someone of, of of like high standing, pimps, um, you know, a, a woman that who's uh, you know in the case of Halle Berry, you know, she was a woman out of sorts whose hus- whose husband played by Puffy Combs was on death row, you know, and, and she has she 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 has a love scene with a racist, Billy Bob Thornton. You see, I mean, it's not. What's up with the black folks though? Why 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 can't we be Fully realized human beings. We're caricatures. That's my point. Let me bring in. Um, let me bring in Bison. He may think differently. Bison, HU's finest. Yeah, you don't ever forget that. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's cool to be number two. Go ahead. Okay, you just continue being in your delusions. All right. You know, I find it interesting. Your your comments are very on point. You know, you get Jane Austens and Little Women, and, you know, we get the same stories regurgitated time after time, but we don't have a Harlem Renaissance bio flip. If you want to touch that community, why not have Eileen Locke? Zoe oh, yeah. Hurston. James Baldwin. Um, Aline Locke, taught at Howard, Bernard Rustin. I mean, the Harlem Renaissance is so deep to be mine. You could you check off like three or four blocks with just one movie. Alphabet community will be well represented. You have history. You have black uplift. You have art. All in the same thing. But as you said, they don't want that. They don't want to see an erudite black man in a dapper suit with a Harvard degree bringing together intellectuals in Harlem in the 1920s. You know, that won't sell. Um, I, I think so many people absorb Neil Hurst and her, her, um, her output, but they don't want to see her life on screen. By the way, she started the newspaper, The Hilltop at Howard University. Just want to toss that in there. But I think you're 100% right. I, I don't think um, the powers that be, A, will give black creatives of that community largesse to do these films. Because I'm sure these ideas have been put, not seeing you know, documentaries and that sort of thing, you know, bandied around. But why not of Cullen? You know, now, now the thing that scares me, if they do a film 
you know, the cause infected figure is probably going to be so prominent. You know, that's the only way it's going to get made. And if you guys don't know who that is, just Google. And um, the best way I can describe him is what's he that was on it, it was, He's well, a loud he was, coin of the early 21st, the turn of the century. Yeah, he was, he was, a, he was a photographer um, notable for N-word heaven, nigger heaven. Um, he was he, he, one would say he was one of many um, uh, archivists of the Harlem Renaissance, and and also you know a lot of a lot of what comprised of the Harlem Renaissance dealt with uh, black 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 talent, white sponsorship. If you I, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Harlem Renaissance, so anytime you read any book on the Harlem Renaissance, it has a lot to do with this discovery of black in, black intellectualism. Um, uh, uh, black authorship, black po- black politics, the black body politic. I mean, it's black dance art. I mean, it was on. It was on. It was on point. It 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 showcased black people in a completely different point, different perspective. And you had black, you had white people that were curious of like many things. I mean, look, that's that's our experience in the Americas is that we create these. We create this this art. We create this new thing, and then, you know, it's like a dish that white folks like to imbibe in. Uh, and, and this was and you, see it every, and you see it every few years in various stages. Um, I don't know how old you were when Basquiat was sort of famous. You know, he had that brief period. Madonna's boyfriend. And, um, yeah, and we know how that tragically ended. It just seems like, um, and I don't want to get too esoteric when it comes to this sort of thing, but, you know, we're not, in, we were never fully in control of our narrative. The only place you can do that back then, and this is where I know a lot of people start rolling their eyes, were in all black spaces or in black colleges. You know, that's where you have. Now, I'm going to tell you a film that it can be done We'll check all the blocks off. I'm just shocked nobody's even tried it. Why don't I have a James Baldwin film? You know, it, it checks all the blocks and that sort of thing. But, you know, his message was too radical. You know, I know me and you bump heads before in regards to, you know, you know, Coates is no James Baldwin. But, I mean, it's just amazing how, you know, our voice when it comes to film it's going to go to the edge, but it's never going to go over the edge. I remember when Malcolm X came out. Let's not fool ourselves. That film was not universally liked mm. in the black community. People were saying he looked like Malcolm, and it was watered down. And, you know, it was just so much pushback. I don't think, I mean, there was anger, you know, what happened at the Academy Awards, but let's not act like this film was universally and this came right on the heels of um, Color Purple, so you know um, tensions were raw. But to jump back, I don't know what your time your time is like, but I do um, want to jump back with what what you said earlier in regard, you know, what we've seen, and yeah, it's deliberate. I mean, it seems like the last six days, it's like every day, it's like they're obsessed with us. You know, it's like every day on these talk shows, some type of black subject, usually about 
black male whatever dysfunction, you know, you know, day one, it's um, Billy Porter. Day two, Wayne Wade's, you know, son transition. Day three, um, you know, somebody saying something negative about that. And what I liked about that was at least the black male voice kind of rose was up. Hurt. It was it was hurt, which is rare. I, I think this stuff has to be evened out, Bison. That's what's at issue. Because, um, you know, again, my heroes would be Bayard Rustin and James Baldwin. If you look at any of what what James Baldwin was, James Baldwin was about, I mean, he was I, I don't know if it was. I don't know if he was necessarily closeted, you know. But I don't think he put it on Front Street or on Bill Street. <laughs> but he he um, he spoke that he, you know, he was extremely erudite, very in your face, and very empowering. So, I, I look. Everyone is not the same, but Billy Porter is not the guy you go to when it's going to go down. James Baldwin, you go to when it's about to go down. Bayard Rustin is what you go to when it's about to go down. So um, I'm just a little confused with the, these kind of this kind of preferable. See, what I, I think what my issue is is that this is preferable to someone, and not black people. This is preferable for the sake of depowering you. I'm always looking. I'm always looking for advantage and power. This doesn't do it for me. Maybe he's not supposed to do it for me, but I think that James Baldwin did it for me. And, and his, his, um, his life had nothing to do with anything for me. You know, he was about the business. And, he, and these other preferable black representations, I think, is to the advantage of the mainstream and not to black people. That's what's at, what, that's what's at issue. That Billy you know Porter is, sort of become... is, is put out front. Go ahead. You know who sort of becomes sort of like a Shea-Gravera figure, you know, the T-shirts and their quotations, but people don't really know. I don't know how how familiar you are with Audre Lorde. Um, It was her birthday a couple days ago, and she was a um, lesbian, I I don't know if feminist is the right word, author, you know, a whole bunch of things behind it. But what gets lost in all that is a lot of these people are pro-black first. Uh, these other yeah, things, sort of, these other things, could get kind of get tossed in front, and that sort of gets lost into in, you know the sloganeering and you know whatever straw man people want to bring out. And 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 for some strange reason, the black community is being now pushed up as being across the board homophobic. From you know the age of forty on up, people seem to forget is the black community was a refuge for these people because the, you know the the large community shunned them. And like we talk, you know, in regards to also with mixed marriages and what have you, they had to seek refuge in the black community. So I don't understand why the black community sort of become this trash can of you know of intolerance where. Years ago, that was the community that people had to go to for refuge from from that is very, bigotry. But what you're what you're saying is very true. Uh, someone else I'm thinking about too, still still with us, Nikki Giovanni also is of, of uh, 
the LGBTQ community, and, he, and also, um, uh, what's her face? Uh, damn, with the Angela Davis. So I'm kind of confused on, like you say, some of this stuff is not really accurate. And if you get into the history, and but but they were they, their blackness, like again, that flat blackness was on Front Street, and we, we haven't we haven't been able we're, we're still dealing with flat black issues. And he's and when you and you listen to Billy Porter, Billy Porter was talking about like his his gayness over like this black thing, and I'm like, dude, you know, we're in a certain situation right now where they're getting back to Southern fried racism now. Southern fried Southern fried crackerism is on Front Street right now, and you're it, 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 we need a James Baldwin in a suit ready to fight. That's just my that's that's my issue, really. I, I'm I'm more about black pride for everyone. I think black pride is all encompassing. So I'm a, I'm a little confused when you know you, you can't question anything. Everything means something. It means what it's not. I don't. I'm not a hateful person. I don't go around. I, I can't. It's just illogical. I don't. I don't go around hating people. But I do. I do understand clearly that. Uh, it's not by coincidence that we can't seem to the black br- the black brain the black male brain put that on front street like you do Billy Porter and see what happens you're never going to see it you're never going to see it even when I mentioned the Black Panther and I guess it's nerd I've said it I've said it a million times you hear it again I love the Dora Milaje don't get it twisted but that's not how that character is supposed to be supposed to be put down they gave the black intellectual thing to women in that storyline a black capable man running his own country being being in control um the smartest person in the room they don't give it to the black guy and that they just don't do that now i want to i want to know why i want to know why well you know you know the and then i don't think a lot of tropes have evolved all that much. I mean, right now on television, it seems that the the hot thing is, you know, you were in jail, wrongly accused, but now he has a second chance, that sort of thing. Exactly. You know, some there's some sort of prison show. So it's either jail, prison, sports, hip hop. You don't even see blacks, males doing other musical genres. If I don't get my downbeat magazine or jazz times, you wouldn't. I wouldn't know if blacks played instruments. Sergio Mims represents the the, the Afro classical wing, right? I, a matter of fact, when I was at um, at Schomburg, I, I wish I had gotten was more was more um, forthcoming with this young lady who had said something about her being a a classical singer, and I mentioned Sergio's name. And she was very curious. I, I did, you know, Sergio has his own uh, classical radio program. She would have definitely wanted to build with someone like Sergio. But what I'm saying is, there's a, there's a lot of things going on with black people that are not this stereotype. But so many black folks, our, our self esteem, some of our self esteem, you know, as a collective, is so downward, so downtrodden that we 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 don't feel comfortable with ourselves. To really promote ourselves in a certain way, so anytime somebody gives you a crumb, you're gonna go for it. You know, uh, 
these, you know, they're so so comfortable in being put on that if you're being put on as a minstrel, well, then so be it. But you're still a minstrel. So where 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 are you telling me? You tell me you're, you tell me a minstrel? They're gonna call you a a hotel hatching insert. You know you're hating and you know you're gonna get blocked and you know you're gonna be you know. Um, just almost driven off social media when you bring this sort of thing up. I've been called a hotep so many times on Twitter. And I'm like, so anytime a black person, these are from black people now. So anytime you talk about black people in a positive light, or you just you talk about black history or black intelligence, anything that's positive about black people, other, there's a certain set of black, other black people that will label you a hotep as you know, as a hotep, as a pejorative. So anytime we talk about black pride and black upward mobility and and, and black co- uh, cogitation, that's to be you're a hotep. You're, you're dismissed by black people, by black people. But when you have a, the music, like you said, the stereotype music being drummed into our systems over and over again, twenty four seven, constantly, boogie with a hoodie and all this kind of nonsense. Uh, um, good Kush and alcohol at eight o'clock in the morning. Let me repeat that. Good Kush and alcohol, eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, more uh, in the morning as a lyrical standard. That that's a problem. Like every every chess move, every chess every black chess move seems to be put in a position that's not to our that's not to our favor. It's not by coincidence. Check out the for the audience. We're going to go to something else, but. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Bison, but there is a documentary on Netflix called Who Killed Malcolm X. You got to see this thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when I throw out names, um, Edward Bernays, who I've mentioned before, I mean, this stuff is kind of fascinating about how this stuff really works. Edward, Edward Bernays is the nephew of Sigmund Freud. Now, Sigmund Freud we know as, you know, the father of modern psychiatry, right, and knowing, knowing how the brain works. But it's not coincidence that his, that his nephew was, the, was also, like, pretty much the father of, of uh, propaganda. So you have one, one relative in your head and another relative showing you how to control what's in your head. So the, the idea of commercial spin like what we see about if you try this if you try this uh this this new kind of this new kind of bleach this will make your clothes whiter this will make your if you try this new toothpaste this will make your teeth whiter like all these 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 um claims these over the top claims that we accept as true and valid that comes from edward bernays and uh Black folks are programmed. When you see this documentary on Malcolm X, they were really in his business. COINTELPRO, the government. Um, uh, uh, who was the head of the FBI? Um, uh, Edgar, uh, Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover. Um, why haven't we seen his, 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 his uh, dress like we see? We know for sure he wore a dress. He was he was proto LGBTQ, closeted. We we it, when it, when it was time for when it was time for Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio. See, the gaffer doesn't just talk out of his ass. When it was time for Leonardo DiCaprio, 
to quote unquote quote unquote portray an authentic version of Edgar. You didn't really see that. You, you know, uh, old boy Leo, who was who I can't say what I really want to say, but you know what he, he how he is with the ladies. He didn't show that. They didn't show that. What happened there? But when it but when it's your turn, black man, they're more than willing to do it. And there is where there lies the problem for me. Why are they so why are they so proactive with you and not proactive with themselves? Um, we see mainstream mainstream, aka white portrayals. Mainstream meaning white meaning default. White default is very controlled. With you, you are the petri dish. Why is the black man, specifically black male, why is the black male the petri dish, but the white male not so much? Now, this is not anti-anything. I'm for everybody wanting to get their groove on, really. I'm not that invested in it. I just don't like something that rings inauthentic. And dishonest and controlled and being a chess piece. Black people are the petri dish for a lot of stuff and always have been. And always have been. And we're going into the 21st century the same way we did when we were on the plantation. When it was, when it was time, I'll, I'll close out on this. When it was time to, 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 to figure out the female anatomy. When it was time to figure out the female anatomy and uh, gynecology, the father of modern gynecology, he, I've, lost it, I've got his name, but he experimented on female slaves to save the white, the, 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 the white lady of the house. What's that about? This stuff is on repeat, folks. I'm just saying. Marion Sims. J. Marion Sims. I think they recently took down a statue, I believe in Central Park. In New York, there was a statue of J. Marion Sims as this great person, the father of modern gynecology. The only thing is that he used black African women to get there. I'll leave it at that. Uh, let's go to a quick groove. I mean, really quick. And then I want to talk about this Harriet Tubman debit card as she's doing the uh, the sign of the Wakanda, the Wakanda allegiance. I don't. I, this is now. This is this is you know one united. Um, I'm confused on this. I'm confused. I, I you know some people think this is a good thing. I'm. I, I think. I think Harriet Tubman is worthy of being on the card, but. Do you, do you make her do the the Wakanda symbol though? Do you, I don't know. Can, can't the, and I have respect for the Wakanda symbol. Can't that be? Can't you have the Black Panther as as a separate card, but not really fuse the two? Is it is that kind of making fun of the whole thing? You tell me. Anyway, let's go to this. Let's go to this thing. This real quick thing, really quick, and then uh, we'll get back to this uh, debit card. This is Sun Little. Sun Little. Uh, no, you know what? No, let me scratch that. Let's go to Reverend Al. <laughs> Reverend Al is actually on a cut. <laughs> Reverend Al, Bootsy Collins, Chu Fu, 
JB's the man. Two minutes. Music. Music. Every time we use our art and our music to lift those that are down at the bottom, to look toward the top, to look toward the top and dream for a better day. I know that James Brown is still the man. He's still the man. James Brown. James Brown. He's he still, still the man. The man. Captain, 
That was from Bison, and I tweeted, retweeted it, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she does have a nice French pedicure, so maybe I'm gonna, maybe I'm a little not my speed biased. <laughs> not my speed. <laughs> you know, but oh yeah, but they they look like clowns. That's 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 where we are. That's where we are. This this is acceptable, I guess. All right. Anyway, if you'd like to join in on the fun. We got about uh, 17 minutes remaining. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Again, six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Simply press one. If you press one, that way we know that you want to join in on the fun. Now, actually, before we get into this, um, into this Harriet Tubman, I think it is a controversy. I mean, it's actually making the rounds, and some people don't see anything wrong with it, and other people think that it's a think it's a little extra. Um, you know, again, you know, this black history moments that we should be aware of and that are that are integral, crucial, is even even with Star Wars. You know, um there's a piece courtesy of the of the Hollywood reporter and they talk about this hidden history. Well it's somewhat hidden. I think it's lesser known that lesser known, uh, yeah. lesser known that Ashley Boone Ashley, the late Ashley Boone, I think his sister's still around, who's also an executive. Ashley Boone Jr. was was a, really the first big deal in Hollywood, first black president of a major Hollywood studio, and he was really the guy that stood up for the notion of a Star Wars. Like you have to think about it. Star, we take Star Wars for granted, like it's always been. But the idea of a Star Wars in 70, let's say 76 or 75, when he first started putting this idea together, probably sounded goofy. It sounded crazy. But he believed in Star Wars. So if it wasn't, if it wasn't for an Ashley Boone um, connecting with George Lucas, being able, to, being able to see George Lucas's vision and to follow through with it, you might not have this, this mega franchise that's still with us almost 50 years later, a black man. Now, you figure that something like this, this part of the historical record, should, we should be putting on Front Street, Ashley Boone. Because really, if you, when you have Star Wars, you have Star Trek the movie, you have, all, you have you know, major league science fiction, space operas, where we, even the comic book stuff, you know, a lot of it, the DNA... Is the Star Wars, Guard, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? As much as we love Guardians, the DNA of Guardians of the Galaxy is Star Wars. So, um, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit about this, just you know, to give full, full information to our audience. But, um, you know, he guy died relatively young too. So here, here we go. It says. Uh, when thousands gathered December 16th in Hollywood for the world premiere of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, supposedly, supposedly the last Skywalker film, they heard Bob Iger, Kathleen Kennedy, and J.J. Abrams thank everyone from crea- creator George Lucas to the actor who, per- who played R2-D2. But one name was not, much, not so much as whispered, despite this person's critical 1970s role in launching what would become the most successful movie franchise of all time, the all-but-forgotten Ashley Boone Jr. Although his contributions have been mostly lost to history, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Boone, who died in 1994 at age 55, was a marketing and distribution wizard who championed Lucas's space opera 
where nearly everyone else, including the, the board of 20th Century Fox, thought it was a wacky idea doomed to fail. He shaped its release date and the number of theaters in which, rolled, in which it rolled out and renewed its promotional campaign four times in order to keep it surging in theaters. He worked on a slew of other milestone movies, too, including the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Here we go again. Rocky Horror Picture Show is a kind of quirky, nerdy, off-kilt standard. Um, they, they, I, thanks to Vernon Reed, Vernon Reed is likening and, and trying to make Purple Rain into a kind of Rocky Horror Picture Show. But I, I, I digress. Chariots of Fire, Ghostbusters, and Thelma and Louise. This dude was behind this stuff. We need to know about these people. So once again, you know, didn't I say they are reluctant to put to put black cogitation and even more specifically black male capability? They don't put that on front street, but they will put Billy Porter on that front street, and really nothing against Billy Porter as a person. Really nothing against him. But I just I just know who was putting these chess pieces together and what is preferable. Why can't we all be in the sun together? I just I just see a theme. I see a theme. But we can't talk about that. Anyway. Um let's get to this deal with uh the debit card. From One United. Now, I belong to. I have a number of accounts, and uh, Carver Bank is a black-owned bank, and I do want to emphasize more black-owned banks. So I, I, I have yet to join One Night One United. I might open up an open up an account, but uh, I, I do think this. There are a lot. There are a lot more dignified pictures of Harriet Tubman than this painting of her, this portrait of her with her hands crossed like a Wakanda thing. Now they're saying that's not the case, but other people are seeing it as kind of a little tacky. And I think both can have their own respective dignity because, you know, I I respect Black Panther for what it is, even though it's a Disney product. I think it would have been nice to have, you know, with Marvel's approval probably, to have some kind of special Wakanda card. You know, um, that would be cool. Right, but to have it mixed together like that, it's like you're not taking either one seriously. What do you, what do you what are your thoughts on this, Captain? Am I am I out of out of pocket on this or what? Or this is this a little extra? Well, I think you're you're on to something with that. There are better pictures. You should take it a little more serious. I do understand the Wakanda thing. You understand? I do understand that, but I understand how some people would turn around. And also say, well, you know, <laughs> Wakanda, that's a made-up, you know, African situation. We had this real, real individual right here. So I can understand, you know. I just think they should should have taken it a little more serious, a little more thought. You know, a lot of times, you know, when they do these, quote-unquote, the right thing, as they would say, with black people, it's like, at times, they don't take their time and put enough thought into the process, you know? Just food for thought. Back over to you, Alfred. Yeah, well, again, you know, look, you're lucky that she didn't get some 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 uh, 
some rocket scientist comes up and says, "Well, let's make let's put her in a, let's, let's put her put her in a suit like Ellen. <laughs> let's uh let's make her transition. <laughs> Let let's put let's put five or six different protected classes on her. Let's kill five that's birds true. with one stone. See that that's, that's what's true. going on. That's that that's that machinations behind the scenes where no one is you're not really respected as yourself. Three, four, five different things when that's not respectful. That's not respectful. Have, have I, I? I've seen pictures of you know have a black and white kind of a, a historical archival picture on a like to me that would have pulled me that would have pulled me over into like look I'm not everybody I'm not everybody else but if I saw a picture like a real dignified picture of Harriet Tubman on a debit card that would have brought me in. Uh, per, me personally, who am I though? I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not Black Bloomberg, but uh, still, you want our business. But having her do the Wakanda sign, that's a little much. This is, but they, again, this is Black folks, I think. Unless they, you know, this is Black people. It's, it's a Black bank, so they, they didn't think this was, this was, a, they didn't think there was, there was a problem with this. This was okay, allegedly. I'm confused by it. I really am. But I, I do. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to have a, another account with a black bank. But I'm confused. Let me bring in um, Bison. What do you think? What does he think about this? Oh, you know what? Okay, yes, yeah, working. Bison. Uh, any thoughts on this? One United tubbing on the cover, doing Wakanda. Um, uh, I, I thought it was foolish. Um, and then I, you know, and the bank is here. I've actually know people who, who bank there. I think the intention was good. I think the results was bad because it came out that it wasn't the Wakanda sign. It was like the sign of love in, in, um, uh, sign language. And that's what she was doing. Uh, that's what was told to me. Uh, I, I think it was I, on the one you know what? I mean, I just think putting her on a debit card kind of cheapens it a little bit, and I just didn't think it was a good look. Like back in the day, remember we used to get checks. <laughs> remember when they used to have the Budweiser Great oh, yeah. Kings of Africa That's series cool. and that sort of thing? I think they kind of wanted to do something along those lines, but I didn't think it was a positive. Well, you know, some things. Look, if you're gonna do this, is, this is Black History Month. Right? Why not have an actual black historical photograph of the woman on? I mean, you make a point. I mean, some people feel like even with the talk of her being on a twenty-dollar bill, that having an ex-slave on American um, uh, fiat currency is blasphemous. It's heresy. You know, some may look at it that way. Maybe, maybe there's a point. At the same time, I do want our heroes to be acknowledged and. Uh, the Oracle is a big supporter of getting those black history stamps. He's been getting black stamps for, for years. Like, that's his thing. Um, I could, like you said, on a check, a checkbook, I could see maybe, you know, some kind of uh, Yoruba acknowledgement. Um, you know, but legit Yoruba um, uh, Nigerian mythology. Legit, a legit, legit picture of, of, uh, Mansa Musa or whatever, whatever the case may be, but 
I, I hope it's the sign of love, Bison. But many people look at it like you should be doing a Wakanda thing. It looked a little suspect. You know, Nog's trying to, you know, yeah, that'll get him. A two for one, like Popeye's chicken. You know, we're good for being we're good for being brought in by some 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 foolishness. I don't know. Anyway, look, um, we got about five minutes remaining, and I think we're about done. Believe it or not, I think we should just go out in a groove. Any closing remarks, Captain? Uh, we're going out in a groove now. Well, my time is reading different. Well, what do you? Well, how much time do you have? My time is like four fifty-eight. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'll leave it up to you. I mean, look. <laughs> I mean, All right, you know, go out on a group, man. Go out on, if you if you can find something that long, go out on a group. Oh come on! You know, <laughs> I, I, I he's talking to the the man that has all this music here. Um, okay, hold on. All right, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna play this cut. It's one of my favorite cuts. I don't know if Q Storm is a fan of Prince. <laughs> who else? Who who, who uh, I think I think the, our Harlem counselor uh, brought Prince up as a there's always this buffer of using his royal badness as an explainer for like Billy Porter. I never, I mean, no, <laughs> no. Androgyny and address, I think, are two different two different situations with with, with Prince and uh, no. The man was with vanity. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Anyway, um, irresistible B. Irresistible bitch. I think this is the, uh, you know what? Yeah, the remaster. This is a powerful groove. Sunday, 6 p.m. It's been real. Irresistible bitch, the 1999, 
Could, I wish I could resist. 